Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of In Check with Fintech, organized by PCN. My name is Rogier, and um, with me on the show today, uh, or actually with me on this show, but also next week, albeit in a different person, um, is a two-part podcast series that we'll be doing together with uh, Netcetra. Um, with them, we'll be, we'll be discussing the developments and solutions um, in APAC and Europe predominantly. We'll look at the recent PSD2 deadline, um, which was, of course, on the 1st of January, uh, and how fa- financial institutions have been uh, coping with that, um, as well as 3DS and technologies beyond that. Um, but also, uh, we need to shine some light on, of course, their recent exciting partnership with uh, GND and their plans for uh, global expansion. Today's focus will be on APAC, um, on the GND partnership, as well as on their plans for uh, the rest of the world. And with me on the show today to discuss that is uh, Dr. Thomas Fromherz. Um, Thomas has been with Netcetra for over 18 years in different roles and currently serves in the role of fellow. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to have you. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your insights on the, on the topics today. Um, before we do that, for the listeners, can you maybe give a bit of an introduction on Netcetra? So um, happy to do so. Netcetra is a um, you know in the core of itself, it's it's a software engineering company. It was founded in 1996 uh, and started off doing bespoke software um, projects in various different industries uh, in the early times of the internet. Um, over the years, some of the industries have kind of like uh, received more focus. You know, payment is one of them. Today, we'll speak about that one for a while. Um, there's uh, finance insurance, there's transport, track planning system, ticketing, and so on. The health uh, environment is, uh, is a big topic, publishing, uh, and some more. Um, and while a big part of the company is still doing bespoke software engineering. Um, the payment part that I was involved in has gradually focused more and more on products and services and away, uh, got, uh, gone away from the uh, kind of like project uh, by project um, work. So for a specific reason or what was the reason for making that decision? Um, it probably was part what we started um, uh, payment with, maybe part also moving that business. I was responsible for the uh, business unit payment card services at Netcetera for about eight years. And in that time, we moved that business out of uh, you know Switzerland uh, to the neighboring countries, Germany, Austria, and so on. And it was just simply easier to offer some of these uh, as services and products. Um, than by recreating them every time. And then at some point, uh, you know, a conscious effort was made to say, okay, let's hire product manager, um, let's hire um, people that focus on, you know, productizing and servicizing um, uh, our, our office. Makes sense. Great. And right now, so you have offices, I think, across Europe, Middle East, Singapore? That's right. So, I mean, the, the headquarters still is in Zurich in, in Switzerland, a couple of uh, other locations in Switzerland. We very early on had a, um, a location in Skopje in, in what's now called North Macedonia. 
Um, and those are now three locations uh, and about half of Netcetra is actually located in North Macedonia. It's what we call our nearshoring um, uh, um, arm. We also have offices, you know, since we moved out of uh, outside Switzerland, we have offices in Germany, Berlin uh, and, and Munich and some other locations in Austria, uh, you know, Vienna and so on, uh, just opened a few locations in uh, the Nordics, in, in uh, UK, um, in France, in Paris. Um, we have uh, an office in uh, the UAE, in the United um, uh, Emirates, mm -hmm. uh, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for um, almost 15 years, I believe. And we just opened another uh, office in Singapore, focusing on, uh, on on the APEC market. Very interesting. So really trying to get a uh, global footprint as much as possible. We'll talk a bit more about that uh, later, of course. Um, and your role then, Thomas, so you've been with the company for over 18 years now. How has your role developed? I think 18 years ago, I mean, um, just uh, looking back, there was about 2002, I guess, from a payments point of view, we were somewhere completely different from where we are today, but how did your role progress over those 18 years? You know, I started 2002 and I, I, I believe I was employee number, number 53 or something. And now we're uh, over 600 people, uh, almost 700 people across all the locations. And naturally my role grew and evolved uh, and developed with the growing company. You know, I started as a project manager. I had to um, uh, manage a couple of payment products uh, early on, 3D Secure in 2003-04 already. And then, um, you know, as Netcetera grew, uh, they started to um, reorganize the company around 2008 to build um, sales business units, meaning kind of like two to four people um, running a certain industry and then the pool organization catering to these different projects and so on. So I, I headed up the, um, the business unit for payment and card services with a colleague for about eight years. Um, and then in 2017, the company was big enough and mature enough uh, that we needed to reorganize the company yet again and moved these business unit into full-fledged divisions which now included uh, sales and and um, uh, product management some engineering some operations and so on and at that time you know some of the older folks like myself we stepped aside and um, took uh, to, to give the next generation uh, an opportunity to grow in, in, in the company. And I acted as chief strategy officer for about three years until early last year, and um, then moved into a totally new role also for Netcetra. Um, you know, the fellow role, fellowships is something that we know from academia. Um, and it has crossed over into um, uh, other businesses like with Google and Apple and so on. They have fellows now. And I guess the, um, the idea is to um, keep longstanding employees inside the company and, um, you know, leverage on their, leverage their, their uh, trust and, and their experience and uh, the, 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 the wide experience of the company itself for special mandates. So I'm now um, I'm now working on, on on special mandates within within etc. Can you say, or is that still uh, under NDA? <laughs> what kind of special mandates you're working oh, on? 
there are no it's not under nda it's um basically whoever uh, etc right be it one of the divisions or be it um board of directors or uh, a location head um can ask you you know to help him do a, a certain thing within a mandate so for instance i'm I'm coaching the uh, the new Singapore office. I I have done the, the location scouting since 2018, and, and now I'm I'm supporting them with uh, um, all things payments. Um, I'm responsible for uh, extending our international strategic relationships, especially with uh, with the schemes. Um, I'm one mandate is our participation in Invico, right? Invico is the uh, protocol um, association of the big schemes, uh, you know, which early on brought out the chip, but then QR code and 3DS, the newest 3DS protocol is um, from Invico, tokenization is from Invico, and we may actually touch on click to pay a little later on also, which is also Invico. And I'm, I'm uh, with a colleague. Together, we are representing etc. in this uh, association. Great. So, very well placed to discuss kind of um, yeah the APAC developments and uh, what we'll start talking about is more the 3DS side of things. Is it? I think etc. was one of the first in Europe and the second in the world, right, to adopt the 3D Secure 2.0 protocol. Yeah, that's right. So early on, we we heard about the new protocol. We got uh, got to work on it early on. And uh, we managed to to bring out, um, uh, I think, uh, the, our three D server on the acquiring side. I think was uh, second in the world, first in Europe, to be fully uh, certified by Invico. Um, we actually managed to do the first end to end authentication um, in three D S two O with our ACS. Also, I think it was together with one of the big players uh, testing it out in Europe. We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the fintech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals. Great. So looking closer at that then specifically 3DS and APAC, how, how has that technology come about and what has its development been? I think I think when you when you talk about rollout of 3ds2o or it's called EMV 3ds um, in any market you you don't get around talking about the the predecessor the 3ds1 protocol which has been around since about 2000 uh, 1999 2000 and it was a purely desktop browser based uh, protocol so of course when 2007 uh, the first iPhone came around you know the 1.0 protocol was never made for a mobile browser, let alone uh, an app. Um, so, um, but 3ds 1.0 was adopted early on. We were in 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 um, we had an ACS service from starting 2003 2004 um, here in Switzerland, um, and 
a lot of merchants perceived 3ds 1.0 as a conversion killer, and probably rightly so. Right? It was based on a password, static password, uh, and the most important use case, in, and you know, in the service was to forget your password use case. People kept forgetting their passwords, and of course, conversion was not great there. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think rolling out 3ds 2.0 uh, faces that uphill battle just to convince the existing 3, uh, 3ds 1.0 merchants that 2.0 is actually a better deal. Um, at the same time, 3ds 2.0 actually um, promises to vastly improve the, the user experience, the checkout uh, authentication in, in e-commerce, uh, simply because it really was built for like modern e-commerce systems. It um, has two flows, right? Uh, the, the frictionless flow and the authentication flow, the stepper flow. Um, and without the user knowing, um, you know, the merchant can send, send down a bunch of data to the ACS. Uh, the ACS does a scoring, has a risk system, does a scoring and can decide whether the transaction is legit or not. And if it's legit, it just um, uh, tells the merchant, you know, just go with it, it's fine. You don't need an authentication. Uh, and otherwise, uh, it, it asks the merchant, merchant to step up uh, authentication. Um, and of course, the hope is to use the frictionless flow as often as possible. Now, to roll something out that like that, um, of course, it helps if you have a re regulation pushing such a standard. And in Europe, we have the Payment Services Directive 2, PSD2, which requires from the start of this year, requires a two-factor authentication for e-commerce transactions. And the only uh, really widely available technology to do that authentication actually is 3DS 2.0. So there is a natural incentive to actually roll out 3DS 2.0 here in Europe. Yeah. In APAC, you don't have that, right? In APAC, you don't, uh, to my knowledge, you don't have a similar uh, regulation. You have certain countries that uh, even request 100% authentication, which, of course, makes the frictionless flow, um, uh, you know, you cannot use that one. Um, so, so we don't have that there. Um, so we have to go through the normal process of educating the players, um, making sure they understand that they're getting a better uh, a better user experience, more security if they do 2.0. And then, of course, you know, another point here is readiness, um, the readiness of the issuer on the, on the issuing card uh, card issuing side, and readiness of the merchants and payment service prov provider. Mm -hmm. And as very often. Um, the issuing side is 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 better prepared. I think across APEC we now have something like eighty percent, an eighty percent readiness. Um, you know, some markets like Australia and Thailand um, have almost one hundred percent, whereas other markets have maybe 40, 50 percent readiness. Um, on the merchant side, it's far less. Um, you know, far lower percentage of, of readiness. That's really is a problem. Um, we as Netcetera, of course, can help there. You know, we have been around uh, the, the, the industry and around this uh, very topic and product early on. We have products for 3DS 2.0 on both sides. We have an, an hosted ACS, which is a, a large part of our payment business, uh, especially in Europe. 
uh, but we also have these, uh, you know, the 3D server and the 3D SDK that is needed on the merchant side. Um, um, and, and the 3D server you can have as on-prem and and uh, uh, or or also as a software as a service. Um, we have been quite active in that short time that we have now uh, a location in um, APAC. We have a couple of clients like IPG Pay has been a long-standing uh, client actually in Australia and Hong Kong, who really early on uh, rolled out 3DS tool. Um, you know, Omis in Thailand is a client, uh, Midtrans in Jakarta is a client, VNPay in Vietnam is a client. And we certainly hope to have a Singapore client um, soon. Um, we're also, you know, this is one part, right? Uh, doing business with PSPs and merchants and, and issuers, but we're also doing, um, we're also working with the schemes themselves. For instance, with MasterCard, we have actually three different uh, business, um, uh, business uh, um, lines with them. Um, so for instance, uh, our ACS is leveraged in MasterCard's NPTS, the uh, MasterCard Payment Transaction Services in the UAE, uh, already has a couple of banks on that ACS. Maybe we do something similar or get to do something similar here in APAC. Um, then they are, you know, MasterCard has a virtual card services business in the travel space in Europe. And these cards are actually exempt from PSD2, but you have to handle that exemption, and we do that for for Mastercard um, here in Europe. And then, thirdly, um, with you know leading the uh, leading to the PSD two rollouts in Europe, the merchants wanted to test their setups before they went live. Now, if they have our product, they get a, a full testing environment and uh, you know test shop and, and, and test cases and stuff. But not all merchants have that, and and for that. Uh, MasterCard together with us, uh, you know, we leveraged a 3DS test platform, brought it live so that um, merchants um, across Europe um, or even outside Europe, if they had to do business with, with Europe, uh, were able to test their, um, their business uh, on our test platform. So I, I would I think, you know, without blushing, you couldn't see that blushing on my, on the podcast. I can probably say that, you know, 3DS is certainly something that the payment arm of NetSector shines in. Yeah, definitely. You truly are, that's for sure. Um, picking up on something you said there, see, talking about how 3DS is not pushed by regulation in APAC, right? Does that mean that there's a widespread of solutions there that merchants, issuers, acquirers use, or is there just an old school way of... Um, approaching security or how does that work? I think still, right, if in the credit card space, um, I think 3DS is, uh, is probably your only believable way of authentication, authenticating the transactions. So um, if, if, you, if you accept credit cards as a merchant and, um, um, and you want to authenticate it um, even because you have to or because you want to um, fight your the fraud that you have on your on your e-commerce platform, then I think 3DS is still um, your way to go. But if you look at different merchant categories, then some are more affected by fraud than others, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a merchant that sells stuff that is not very interesting for for fraudsters, you know, you maybe get around 
you know, with doing it without authenticating the transaction, unless, of course, you know, the country mandates 100% authentication rate. But if not, you know, you get around this. Um, if, if you're, if you're um, acquiring, if you're allowing other payment methods like these um, um, domestic schemes like NETS in, in Singapore or, or the others in, in the other countries, then um, they typically don't leverage 3DS. They could, but uh, they haven't done that, um, at least not in the APAC region. They sometimes do the authentication with other means, for instance, by connecting to the to the e-banking username, password, or or, or authentic, uh, authentication credentials to authenticate the person before the transaction actually proceeds. Interesting. Looking ahead, then, what's what's next? What's what's beyond 3DS, 3DS EMV? I mean. If we look at the e-commerce um, uh, space, um, you could say that there is uh, um, almost an overhaul, a complete overhaul um, going on right now in, in certain uh, payment areas. Um, you know, EMV 3DS vastly improves uh, on the authentication, um, but the authentication is only part of the overall e-commerce experience, you know, of, of the security, fighting fraud, but also of the user experience. And, and those are actually the two focal points, right? User experience and security and finding a balance between, between the two. And there is one initiative um, going on right now. Um, it's called e-commerce um, tokenization. Um, so, so part, uh, some merchants, they allow the user to store their cards on file. It's called card and file. Um, and it typically has the problem that, um, you know, almost half of the cards that you store expire or, or get lost stolen. So are not valid every year. So, you know, half of your cards that, that the merchant has available for checkout actually don't work when the user wants to check out. And that's a problem. Um, and, and tokenization in e-commerce addresses that space by replacing the card that the merchant stores by a token. Um, and of course, in the backend systems of uh, the schemes, these tokens are kept updated. So whenever a card is uh, replaced because it's expired or was lost or stolen, then it's, you know, the token is still valid. It just points to that new card. But that's a good news for for the merchant and that's something that is now being rolled out uh, since about um, two or three years but now it's it's accelerating um, slowly for a psp and a merchant to participate in e-commerce tokenization um, they would have to integrate with every single token system of the, the scheme that he wants to wants to um, allow like with mastercard with visa amex jcp and so on and, and those are sometimes expensive and cumbersome projects. Um, we have, we're busy in that, that area as well, of course. Uh, we offer an aggregation service where Netcetera holds the, the interfaces, the interactions with the schemes and, and with their systems and offer one simple interface to the PSP or the merchant uh, to handle all these token cases, right? When checking out or requesting a token and so on. Just in a nutshell, right? That's that's one of the trends that are going on in the card space in e-commerce. Uh, another one 
actually addresses another space of that checkout. And I, I mentioned card on file uh, as one of them, but not um, every merchant uh, offers card on file, not every consumer wants his cards to be stored on file. Um, and then even if the merchant has card on file, but, um, but the user is at the merchant the first time, you know, the card is not stored there. So that's typically called the guest checkout. And there's, in, there's a new um, protocol that um, addresses this, um, this space, right? The, the guest checkout. It's called EMV Secure Remote Commerce, EMV SRC, um, or the market name under which it's now rolled out is called Click to Pay. You may have seen that here and there. Um, yeah. And much like e-commerce tokenization, it actually leverages token, uh, tokenization tokens and cryptograms. What Click to Pay is trying to do is it, it, it attempts to recognize the user as often as possible when, he, when the user comes to a merchant, even if he has never been at the merchant before. He tries to recognize the user and by recognizing the user, finding his cards, finding his addresses, uh, filling it in so that the user doesn't have to uh, fill in the, 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 the card data every single time that he goes to those, uh, those merchants. Um, Etc. Of course, also will offer a product there on the PSP side, but also on the also on the um, the issuing side. Um, but this is being rolled out. The um, uh, the schemes have rolled it out in fall of 2019 in the United States. First, later in 2020, um, I think Canada um, uh, joined the club. I think they have a pilot in the UK. Uh, I think they are somewhat live in Saudi Arabia, in Australia, and it, it's supposed to come to Singapore also um, like this year, for instance. Mm -hmm. So we want to be active in that one as well. So that's kind of like the, the second part of the overhaul. Um, another trend that we see is that uh, more and more non-issuers, uh, non-issue companies, for instance, merchants or social media uh, players, offering credit cards um, and services. Um, and if they offer a credit card, then they also need some sort of a wallet um, to handle these cards and to show the transactions and maybe offer some other payment services. Um, and Netcetera is also active in that field. Um, we have an entire wallet product suite um, for issue, uh, like an issuing app where you can look at your transactions, you can you know allow the user to enroll the card very very simple uh, easily into Apple Pay, Google Pay, offer contactless payment, you know enroll into 3D Secure, and do some more stuff that is coming on uh, you know loyalty, peer to peer payment, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and I think beyond that, you know, we're, we're, you were asking me about kind of like trends and what's what's next. Um, there's a lot of other things that, you know, um, is, it's, it's not getting boring, right? You have social commerce where, you know, people are buying directly from an Instagram or a Facebook page. And, you know, you, you already have some first experiences there, but this will certainly um, go uh, uh, far further than what is available right now. 
um, you have conversational commerce, you have voice activated commerce, Alexa and so on, which is still in its infancy. Um, so, you know, fun times ahead. There's a lot ahead, yeah, that's for sure. But um, the tokenization, click to pay and wallet, um, I guess uh, are also topics to uh, keep you busy with. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And they, and they are being rolled out as we speak. So that typically means they keep us busy, busy for the next uh, five, six, seven years. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great. What else are you guys involved in? I mean, you, you talked about, and I know as well, Trust not only doing payments and finance, right? There's other industries that you uh, are also... Um, serving what else can you talk a bit more about what else you guys are involved in um yes um i already mentioned that we have different industries and we do bespoke and some products even in these other industries like fintech um, finance insurance transport and so on beyond that we also have uh, a number of portfolio companies sister companies spin-offs that um are active in areas you know basically you know take any any current buzzwords um uh, and and there's a there's a good chance that we're active in that one uh for instance augmented reality ar we have a with a company called augment it or augment it um where you know which which looks at um you know how ar can be leveraged in various different fields beyond the you know all that gaming that has been around and playfulness. So, you know, can you leverage AR in industries um, and so on? We have uh, already a number of pro um, projects um, there. For instance, uh, in the manufacturer industry, there's a lot of inspection going on that you can so uh, support by um, AR. We have an application in neurosurgery um, where, you know, AR allows you to look into the brain and, and, and uh, do uh, operation planning and so on. Um, we use AR for a train support, right? The, the, the train uh, cars that you get regular um, regular maintenance is supported by, um, by AR uh, and so on. So it's this is also a, a, a field that is beginning where you actually find out where AR can be used and where it actually makes sense. And payment, guess what, is part of that also, right? Um, take another one, um, uh, artificial intelligence. We have a company called AI First, which uh, is active in defect uh, detection. Lots of computer vision, visual search engines, um, AI-based diagnostics, video scene analysis. Uh, we have another um, uh, product, RISIC, which um, is detecting abuse in health insurance claims and fraud detection uh, with AI. So, you know, with all the claims that are coming in to make a certain scoring or, um, of these claims to kind of figure out, you know, which which is fraudulent and, and which is uh, legit. 
Um, other other areas, um, Internet of Things, of course, there is um, a project that we have in Skopje. Um, the, the topic there is the LoRa VAN, the, the low power wide area networking, um, which um, our colleagues leveraged there to read out um, environmental sensors in a city to um, uh, keep an eye on, on, on environmental um, parameters in, in, in a city. Or take blockchain. Um, we have um, a product that allows storing and verifying digital education credentials uh, in the blockchain. So imagine you're doing an, an MBA, uh, you pass all your tests. Normally, you get a certificate that you nail to the wall. Now you get it into in, in, in the blockchain, and you can prove it cannot be altered that you have done that course. Um, so that's kind of like one one area. There are another another company, Securities Grid, um, is handling stock and real estate assets in blockchain. Right, the keyword there is asset tokens. Um, and so on and so forth, right? That's that's the interesting part. We have an innovation department inside and et cetera called Sparks, where you know anybody who has a great idea can start a small sparklet to investigate an innovative topic. And sometimes it goes further, sometimes not. Um, and some of these uh, that I just mentioned came out of these uh, sparklets. It's really cool. And it's uh... It's very complementary as well to each other, I think, right? Let alone that this is not so specifically in, in payments and finance. The, the examples that you mentioned might be out of that those industries, but they can also be very applicable to the payment space. Like you said, AI, for example, with RISC, um, you can definitely apply that to the uh, payment space. Um, blockchain, for sure. Um, AR, as you mentioned, people buying goods through uh, virtual reality. Um, there's a lot of overlap there. That's the fun part of digitization is that, uh, you know, you find new use cases you never have thought about before and they, they cross over all boundaries, which is, you know, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm sure also that brought a lot of interest from a GND, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's, uh, you know, one of the reasons why we got onto the radar um, uh, of GND um, at some point. Of course, we, ha we have been looking for a, minory, a minority investment for a while, um, also to support our growth um, outside, you know, outside Switzerland. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that this, uh, you know, being innovative and having some innovative uh, experience um, certainly helped to get us um, on, on their radar. Um, you know, GND is a leading company in all processes of cash cycle. It's a leading expert in chip technology. They have a very strong position in physical, electronic, digital payment, connectivity, identities, digital infrastructures, and so on. And they have a very strong global uh, presence. And so, you know, there's a, there's a, a promise that, um, of course, we're a small company compared to them, but there is a mutual benefit in certain areas where we can have a joint partnership and joint offerings. GND, for its part, I believe what I heard is, you know, they're looking in expanding at expanding in, in, you know, its expertise in digitization, in software development, in innovate, uh, innovation. Uh, and for our side, you know, for us, um, uh, we hope to benefit from joint market access, uh, maybe with supplemental products, uh, product portfolios. 
and also from maybe getting one or other the one or other door opened on the global market if if you look at at their services and our services or their product and ours um, there are in many cases they are complementary sometimes they're overlapping and it will now be the interesting part to see kind of like where we find uh, kind of like a common offering and joint offering in certain areas where we can help each other yeah that's no, great it's, it's exciting to see two of those names joining forces and each share knowledge um of uh well let's say their digital products digital services uh, that they both have in-house so uh, looking forward going to come uh what's going to come next also looking at that for net cetera then what is next i mean you have now uh, you're indeed you're in apac you're in europe you're in the middle east um what's next for global expansion um, we certainly hope to accelerate global expansion. I mean, this is, uh, you know, if you have a great company like GND um, um, that is that, that is kind enough to, to partner with you, uh, we hope to accelerate with that. Um, our focus, of course, is still Europe, uh, greater Europe, uh, still Middle East, uh, Middle East also towards Africa. We look at uh, Latin America and so on, um, and we certainly hope to to find joint offerings with um, uh, between the two companies. Um, if if I would try to um, find a general focus of Netcetra with regard to global expansion in 2021, um, I guess you could sketch it to about 80% is about strengthening um, uh, our existing. New locations. Uh, I mentioned them before, right? We have a young presence in UK that needs strengthening. Um, we have a, a rather new footprint in the Nordics uh, that um, uh, needs strengthening. We just opened, I think it was December, we opened uh, an office in Paris. We have been active there for uh, two, one or two years now, but now we have an op office there and uh, it will require our focus also. And then, of course, our new subsidiary and an office in Singapore will be, you know, one of our uh, our focus in um, in uh, 2021. That's roughly 80% um, of our focus. So existing new locations and and strengthening them uh, and leveraging all our um, expertise there. The other 20%, um, I, I think, will look at completely new regions like like the US. We have the one or the other client in the US, but the US market is quite a beast. And, um, and, and we hope to, um, uh, to, to, to find uh, um, new places and, and, and new markets in, in the United States together with uh, GND. Um, and another uh, focus for a new, uh, a new market is Latin America, I mentioned it before. Uh, we have a colleague who's lived um, in in Mexico for for a while, um, and we're addressing that region also. Latin America is quite interesting. I mean, credit cards have been around for a while. I lived in Venezuela thirty years ago, and they already had credit cards. But in e-commerce, uh, it became more interesting in the last, I think, four or five years. Uh, interesting to players like Netcetra uh, because the e-commerce markets and, and digital payment opened up um, to outside, to fintech players and so on. So that's uh, quite an interesting uh, market. So 
yes, uh, we certainly want to accelerate our our global uh, presence. Right. Well, there's no, enough to go after. And I think with the any products that you have, services that you have, the synergies that you have with GND and developments that uh, the markets, the say payments and uh, digital finance specifically, let alone the other industries, I think there's enough to get. Yeah, uh, I think so. And and you know, knowing knowing um, our company, knowing my my colleagues, right? There is, uh, you know, for me, the focus was always to bring benefit to our clients, right? Not just uh, selling stuff, but also kind of like develop the clients, uh, helping develop in the market. Um, and I think uh, I, I think there's a market out there globally now. For sure. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks very much for uh, for joining us today, uh, Thomas, and um, to share your insights as well on on APAC, 3DS, um, what's next beyond that, and give some insights into your partnership with G&D, as well as where Netcetera is going. If our listeners want to find out more, where should they go? Where can they go to find out more about you, maybe about uh, Netcetera? Uh, yeah, um, what's the best way? We are, uh, so it was all my pleasure, of course, to do the podcast today. Uh, it's all a new experience for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Netcetra is is present on on uh, the typical social media. Uh, LinkedIn is a very good um, place. You find me on LinkedIn also as Thomas Fromhertz. Uh, it's with one M. And if you're from the United States, I'm you know I don't belong to the Hertz family with a T. It's uh, from Hertz without a T. Um, and you find me on LinkedIn. Um, and you also find Netcetra, of course, in our our homepage netcetra.com. Um, and if you add my first, my last name with a dot before uh, in, in front of uh, the ad, you will find me by email as well. Great. Well, thanks again, Thomas, for uh, for joining us. Um, thanks, listeners, for listening. Join us again next week for part two of the podcast, where we'll be sitting down with um, Thomas' colleague, Martina Forster, to talk about uh, Europe and its developments and uh, the, uh, the recent deadline uh, around PSD2, amongst other things. Um, and um, yeah, if you haven't subscribed to us yet, make sure to do so on uh, Apple iTunes or on Spotify and um, tune in again uh, next time. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from a partner, Free Your Girl, who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free Your Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away, together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you.